Hello everyone, welcome to the CS School podcast. Now this is the podcast where we speak with CS professionals from all over the world. We learn about the hottest topics in customer success and really try to strip them back to basics and discover how best we can apply these strategies. Now today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Kimberly Ayala. She is the Director of Customer Success for North and South America at Aquino. Um, and I'm really excited to be joined by her because we're going to be talking about something incredibly important to every CSM's job. And this is segmentation. We're talking, so this episode is really going to be talking about speaking segmentation, the technology involved in it, and really the common challenges uh, faced in this uh, in this specific topic of customer success. So, but without further ado, Kimberly, would you mind um, exp- uh, would you mind letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself, um, your role as director of customer success, um, yeah, and just kind of your your CS career to date, really? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Grace. So um, my journey started with Akini about two years ago. I uh, joined to manage a team of CSMs, but really to also help the company scale. We had experienced significant growth uh, here in the United States specifically, but North South America as well. And um, we knew that we needed more CSMs and we needed a way to uh, manage the higher volume of accounts that we were getting in um, with the headcount that we had too. So we had to be kind of mindful of who we hired and how many we hired, but also, you know, how do we do this in a way that we can scale and be effective? And part of that was just um, segmenting the way that we look at accounts. So Mm. You may uh, hear this from people all the time, but, you know, a lot of times uh, we treat all of our customers the same, regardless of their needs, regardless of, um, you know, what they do or what their goals are. And so segmentation really helps us to scale out the service that we provide while also um, giving our customers exactly what they need, no more, no less, so that we can um, do what we need to do with the headcount that we have. Um all of that being said, uh, you know, a little bit back to me, my my journey started with CS um, over a decade ago, <laughs> kind of like one of the OGs, I think, of customer success, if you want to think about it that way. Um, but uh, I've always had a love for just helping customers achieve their goals. I love, you know, the project management part of the role. I love working with people. I love kind of getting my hands dirty and being a little um, gritty and scrappy. And I think that the tech world, <laughs> just this is where we all end up, right? This is like what gravitates us all to these types of roles. And um, and I don't know, I just, I never left after that. I I just fell in love with with CS. And um, now I'm so lucky to get to manage a team and see them develop and grow as uh, individuals and as CSMs. And it's just been a really great journey. Oh, brilliant. Oh, it sounds like you've really got your hands full there. And yeah, decade in customer success is like, well, you you are one of the OGs. Absolutely. Um, I think it's fascinating, uh, something you just touched on about not treating customers any differently. And I think that's probably perhaps one of the misconceptions about uh, segmentation, because ultimately, from my understanding anyway, uh, as a bit of a layman, you're still trying to get your customers, you're still trying to achieve that, make sure they achieve value. You're still wanting to enhance the customer experience, but you're just I guess in a really crude way, just rejigging, rejigging the way that you, uh, I guess, communicate with them and there were different approaches, but rather than me give a half, half hashed, uh, uh, definition about it, I think it might be a good idea for this, um, for this episode to sort of describe the ways in which Aquino kind of does approach customer segmentation. You did touch on it a little bit just then. Um, but you know, I think particularly you can't, 
from from my experience in uh, talking to a lot of customer success professionals, uh, sort of the tech touch model and segmentation almost go hand in hand um, in today's tech world. So in particularly when you're looking at managing accounts. So I was just curious to know the ways, yeah, exactly like how Akinio approaches segmentation uh, and managing accounts with, with a sort of tech touch model. Yeah, no, that's such a great, um, great segue. And I feel like everywhere I look now when I'm on the blogs, when I'm listening to the podcast, when I'm just on LinkedIn, whatever it is, everyone's talking about tech touch. Everyone's talking about digital touch, right? How do we use automation and technology to make ourselves more efficient so that we can get our customers to our goals, Mm. you know, while um, not going crazy, I guess, in the process. Uh, As you know, CS, we tend to be like the... uh, the jack of all trades, you know, we wear lots of hats and see us. So finding the time to get it all done is, can be, uh, can be a job in itself. Um, so, you know, the way that we really think about segmentation is it comes down to the needs of the customer. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved, right? But when I think about, um, you know, what the customer needs and how we're going to get them to their goals, um, you know, a bigger customer that maybe has a, a really complex ecosystem across multiple countries with many, many stakeholders. I may have multiple executive um, champions or executive sponsors on a project like that, right? And so we're talking about a really complex customer that probably has a lot of overarching and, and um, uh you know, duplicative goals throughout the business, right? Like everybody's working together. Um, It's overlapping is the word I was looking for. Mm. Um, And then we have, you know, smaller customers who are maybe based in one place. They've got kind of a regional feel. They've got this like niche, this brand um, that does something very specific. And those customers may have a really small team. I may be working with one executive who has a lot on their plate and tons of different projects going on all at the same time. And, you know, how I approach those customers should be totally different. (laughs) One is not going to really have the time to to dedicate to executive business reviews, for example, or, uh, you know, they don't want to sit for 90 minutes in a room to listen to our roadmap review. But a customer that's super heavily invested, obviously, they're going to want all of those things. So um, segmentation in, in my eyes was kind of taking a step back and looking at our customers and saying, okay, who really needs executive business reviews? Who needs them quarterly? Who needs them half a year? Who needs them once a year? Who doesn't need them at all? Um, And and doing that with kind of each part of managing this account, you know? Um, And then based on that, determining which bucket they end up in and you know does ARR play a role in it of course right because usually the bigger customers are paying more anyway so this all just kind of works together um and also like the potential of a customer so sometimes we have customers that um are big global conglomerates but they use about this much of our services we might lump them into a higher segmentation just because we know the potential is there and we're trying to grow our network within that business, but, um, 
Yeah. I, I mean, there's just so many different factors that go into it, but really at the end of the day, when I think about segmentation, I think about the customer experience and what it is we're trying to deliver to them and what works best for them based on where they are in their world. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely. And it's also <clears throat> correct. Sorry, I've got a bit of a cough. Correct me if I'm wrong. Listening to what you just said there, because I think there's, there's a it's quite, I guess, like quite a black and white thinking. And often like it is applicable, like ARR, ARR does play a huge part in this. But, you know, the fact that obviously the higher value, higher spending accounts need a really, really hands-on white glove approach. But from what you said, it sounds a bit like you really, although you do need to base it on, I guess, how much revenue an account is bringing, um, sometimes you need to actually assess what that customer or that client needs. For example, you said if there's, you know, not everyone has the time to attend however many uh, uh, executive business reviews or QBRs. Um, so you've kind of got to tailor it as well to around what they actually want and need out of your kind of service as well. Is that is that right? Exactly, exactly right. And um, what's interesting too is um, I've seen a lot kind of in the space recently <clears throat> talking about how QBRs, mm. uh, our customers don't really want them in a lot yeah. of the cases. They don't really need them. Um, and this just fits right into that theme, right? That it, rather than kind of forcing our customers in a box and giving them all the same service and making yeah. them kind of experience the same journey, why aren't we taking a look at what they actually need and where they're at, right? And meeting them where they are. And I think that's a, a thing that segmentation does that probably doesn't get talked about as much as kind of the other pieces. No, it's such a good point because I think there is a real like there is such a sort of at least from from my from my position um uh just just because a customer is spending however much a year they need the full the white glove treatment where they have I don't know a, a meeting every week but you know that that I, that 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 just is, doesn't work for some people's schedule um so it's really important I think what you just raised there that you need to really rather than just be like any account that's <laughs> that uh you know, sort of very basic view of any account that's um, paying X amount per month, m per month or per year uh, needs to have this set kind of, like you said, like a cookie box kind of uh, cu cookie cutter even uh, plan. That's really important. Thank you for raising that. And I guess that yeah. kind of, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, it's kind of a thin line too, right? Because you want to mm -hmm. be able to give them what they need and you don't want to give them too much, but you also want to make sure that you're keeping them engaged. Mm. And so that's where the digital piece comes into play. And that's where I think using technology is really going to make the difference, Grace, because it's like, okay, if this, if I know this customer isn't going to respond to, for a QBR or a, doesn't want a biweekly call yeah. or whatever that looks like, um, maybe I want to make sure that they, they are engaged in other ways. So I still want to make sure they get the emails about the webinars coming up. I still want to make sure they know about our conferences coming up. Um, I maybe want to link them to other customers, you know, maybe I send them customer stories or something that might resonate with them to get them to say, hey, listen, let's let's get on a phone call. Um, so Absolutely. just find that balance. Yeah. Absolutely. I forgot to ask this at the very beginning of the episode. Sorry, New Year's New Year's brain. Could you explain for our listeners uh, just the kind of company that Akinio is actually and what kind of product that you uh, deliver for your customers? I don't think we covered that at the beginning. Yeah, that's such a great question. How did I forget? Um, that was all so my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so Akinio, uh, we are a product information management system. And so what we do is we help all of your favorite brands 
to make sure that all of their products that they're selling to their consumers have the right product information attached to it. So when you go to buy, um, you know, a pair of jeans, for example, you know exactly what the fly looks like, you know, the material, what color it is, the every all that information is available there. And then if they do business with any other marketplaces or things like that, making sure that that brand content's consistent across all the ways that you reach your customers. So social media or Amazon, whatever it is yeah. that, um, wherever it is that you're doing business, essentially giving your customers this nice, consistent experience about your brand, about your products, making sure they have the information to make the right choices. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just in case any listeners were wondering, weren't familiar with your brand, but now perfect. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And just based on your previous response, sorry, sorry, I kind of ruined the flow a bit there, but we were talking about uh, technology and uh, sort of using kind of uh, automation to kind of make sure that we are, you know, that you're hitting, um, you're, that you're communicating and you're giving the best customer experience possible. So I was kind of curious because um, you can't escape not talking about segmentation with things like a tech touch approach. We're talking automation and things like that. So. I was wondering, because um, you mentioned you were looking to implement these models uh, at Akinio. So I was wondering how you anticipate use of technology through, um, I don't know, like playbooks or automation tools um, and how you kind of uh, anticipate this will sort of transform the efficiency of your whole customer success operation, really? Yeah, that's such a... Uh... A good topic, because I think it's also top of mind for everybody, right? How do we use technology in a way that is going to make us more efficient um, as we all scale mm. and uh, forced into uh, doing more with less? I think that's the buzzword yeah. of 2024 so far. Um, so uh, one of the ways that we do that is uh, through the playbooks. Um, we actually use a, a CS software tool called Catalyst, and we're building out playbooks now. We just started implementing, um, and it's been going well. And essentially what we're trying to do is taking a step back, right, and just looking at the customer journey, identifying those key moments in the customer journey, and then um, tying that to an activity, whether it's a task to the CSM, a reminder to reach out to your customer or to let them know that something's coming, or an automated email directly to the customer, letting them know about something or, or like I said, sending them a case study, whatever it is, right? Um, we know from just experience and taking that step back and taking a look at, you know, where do our customers need the most help along the journey? Where do they tend to get stuck um, and what resources might help them? And our marketing department is just amazing. And they've just done a ton, a ton of work on this and created campaigns around it, which we've actually, we're going to be um, putting those campaigns directly into Catalyst to kind of just help push this along. And so, um, so again, right, even though a customer may not be getting biweekly meetings with us or meeting, you know, face to face or through Zoom or whatever that looks like. Um, they're still getting touches. They're still getting um, some communication from us. They're still getting resources and things like mm -hmm. that. And so that's the key thing is knowing when your customers need what they need and then getting it to them almost yeah. before they ask for it, right? Absolutely. No, perfect answer. Thank you for that. Um, I also think, and I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but I think it, it, AI is just a buzz and it has been for the nearly the last year, uh, particularly generative AI. So I feel like it would be a bit remiss for me not to, men to mention or ask how you think uh, tools and sort of generative AI platforms 
um, can be integrated into sort of custom success processes, because particularly when we're looking at automation and um, wanting to, like you said, uh, do more with less. Um, and you mentioned we're talking about, you know, how your market uh, talking about different uh, customer touch points. Um, so I was quite curious to know how how one can use uh, sort of tools and generative generative AI, bit of a mouthful, uh, for, you know, communications or, you know, things like renewals, for example. Have you got any um, any tips for that or any any uh, pearls of wisdom? <laughs> so, Grace, you have to not judge <laughs> here. <laughs> but I have become a little addicted to chat GPT. I just like have it you? a little too much. Um, Revolutionary. Revolutionary. Oh, so helpful, right? But I mean, you don't want to sound like a robot. No. But... Um, you know, when I'm sitting here and kind of working with my team to come up with email templates and like, what is this supposed to look like? You just reach this point. I'm sure, you know, you reach that writer's block point. Where oh, like, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible for research as well. When Google, you're not quite getting the thing you're searching for as well. I find it so helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had ChatGPT um, write our email templates or at least get us started, right? Mm. Um, it also wrote scripts for us for video. So one of the things that we're going to be doing with our tech touch is rather than just sending emails with words, um, actually sending like two to three minute videos. They can't be longer than that. Yeah. No one's going to watch a video Attention longer. span is, yeah, very short. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so for part of that, we, we actually used ChatGPT to write the scripts, which was really cool. It gave us a great, um, leg up. It saved us so much time just, yeah. just to get us started. Um, and you know, we do use a, a lot of automation through Catalyst. So like, for example, if a customer is approaching a threshold on the seats that they have, or the number of SKUs that they have, or whatever that looks like. Um, you know, we get notified, we can notify the customer, there's different, different things like that, that we're going to be building that I'm not sure if that's quite the, the AI piece of it. Um, but the AI piece kicks in once those notifications start going out. Right. And so, um, that's probably the way that we're using it the most today. Um, but I've, I've talked to, in fact, it was at your conference in Boston. Oh, right. Uh, this yeah. year that I I spoke with um, a few brilliant minds in the room who were using AI in all sorts of really cool ways that I, I need to get more into it. I need to do more. It's well, sure. honestly, it's just a minefield though. Like it's not something I think you anyone can be like proficient in overnight because it, well, there are new developments all the time. Um, and there's only so many hours in the day as well, because I think it is a huge time saver, but you can definitely get sucked in. I've been guilty of this, get sucked into a bit of a hole where you're kind of just like, oh my God, this is incredible. Look at all the things I can do. And I'm like, oh, two hours, two hours have passed. And I've just kind of just got way ahead of myself getting really excited about, oh, I can do this and that. Um, but oh, that's great. That's that's brilliant. Thank you. That's really helpful. Um, I kind of wanted to just to quickly sort of uh, touch on something I think that's been a running thread throughout this conversation so far, and that's kind of balancing tech tuck with customer expectations. Because I yeah. think um, you know, in a tech touch model, if you apply that model to uh, certain customers, uh, there's obviously, and it's. <clears throat> I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like a bit of a broken record because I know this is something that keeps cropping up and it's why I want to address it really is kind of making sure you still have a human first approach uh and you don't want to neglect uh a level of customer care because although uh you know there'll be so many incredible brilliant uh CSMs and CS leaders who are incorporating 
AI and and generative AI, you know, automation, just the whole bundle, you know, and in a really sort of sophisticated and quite quite intelligent way, that kind of is still keeping that human, uh, uh, keep it keeping the customer's expectations, you know, on balance. There'll obviously be there's obviously a lot of scope to just to be quite sloppy and quite lazy with it, um, and that that can obviously have huge detrimental detrimental effects to uh, your. Uh, to your business, really, uh, your brand, and just that, that you know that important client relationship. Um, so I was just wondering, in your experience, uh, and you know, you've talked through how you've used uh, ChatGPT to create uh, scripts, which sounds like a really brilliant way to 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 level to leverage this kind of a uh, new technology. But how do you manage customer expectations, uh, particularly? Uh, to, to ensure they don't feel perhaps you know neglected. Um, compared to those re- receiving more direct contact with a dedicated CSM? Because I know, I know this is something we have touched on earlier, but, you know, it's particularly, I guess, if you're moving uh, a, a client to a tech, to a, more of a tech touch approach as well, that could, I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish, I think. I think I've opened a bag of worms there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, how do you kind of manage <clears throat> the customer expectation when you are te- using that heavily tech touch automated approach? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of trepidation. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, the truth is m- most of our, we don't want the customer to notice, right? We want it to be kind of seamless. seamless. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And if a customer, you know, and, and that's why I said, it's not just about the ARR. If I've got a customer who is in a biweekly meeting every two weeks with us, they're there every single two weeks with an agenda and a million questions, that is not a customer I want to put on low touch because my low touch CSM is going to be getting overwhelmed with this customer who's going to demand quite a lot of their time, right? And so um, the strategy there is to, you know, kind of uh, get that customer to a place where they can be in this steady state before Mm -hmm. transitioning. Right. So if they're, this customer is working on something and there's a reason why they're showing up every two weeks, but there's an end in sight, like a project or a part of the, the implementation that's coming to a close or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, we can plan ahead for something like that, but maybe we don't transition them right away. And this is something that we did really carefully. So when my team was going through and we were looking at the accounts that we wanted to segment, you know, this wasn't overnight. We didn't just Mm. like go in and shift people over. We really took into account timelines and what works best for the customer. Um, I think that's one of the things this company does really well is, you know, we really are customer minded. We really try to think about their journey, their experience with us. Mm. Um, And we want to be sensitive to that while still, of course, responding to the needs of our business, which, um, you know, means transitioning some of these accounts, right? So I think just really have to be be careful and um and kind of know what you're doing. I also think adding those personal touches, you know, the video is really nice. Um my my mm-hmm. CSA who, who works with these customers, she put her picture on her signature. Right. To, yeah. You know, just little personal touches. touches right? yeah. Um so I think there there are ways to to make it work and I think just approaching it from a gentle standpoint and just understanding where those issues are going to come up and kind of planning ahead. I think that's really all you can do in that type of situation. Mm. No, perfect. No, I, I completely, I completely understand where you're coming from. It's a, I guess there's not really a, 
there's not really um <clears throat> I think an answer that would necessarily fit every organization as well. I think, like you said, when you've, you've got to kind of consider the company's, uh, inter- your own company's interest as well as the, um, as well, as well as your client's interest and sort of that, that, that sounds just like a constant, a constant, uh, not battles, a bit of a harsh, quite con- confrontative word. Uh, but you know, that's a constant, uh, balance, balancing act. There we are. The word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Perfect. Um, I also um, wanted to sort of ever so slightly segue, uh, I'm doing this very naturally, um, because something we did speak about when we spoke about this just before, uh, back in 2023, when we had our initial conversation. Um, So, but we actually spoke about um, monetizing customer success, which is something that is, you know, we're seeing sort of crop up more and more in the customer success space. and, you know, another part of segmentation is kind of, I guess, identifying which segments could receive um, higher levels of service uh, um, through monetization. Um, and this is something you're considering um, doing at Akinio. Am I, am I right in thinking this? Yes. Yeah. So it's been really interesting because in all of our research before creating these segments and thinking about which accounts we want where, et cetera, um, it was also very clear to us that there was this um, other subset of customer kind of above the high touch uh, realm who needed like hyper care. Right. <laughs> they needed, uh, you know, a little bit more than just the standard CS um, offering. And so for those customers, we came out with kind of a plus plan, a, a CSM plus hmm. offering that, you know, it costs money, but it also includes like technical resources. It includes um, educational benefits. So, um, you know, access to like classroom trainings and things like that. And then this is going to cost a little bit extra, but for those customers who really need it, it's such a value to them. They're willing to pay a little extra for it, especially if it gets them over a hump, right? So like we've got a global customer who's launching in a new country. They really just need a little bit of hyper care right now so that they can manage both projects at the same time, you know, this country and this country. Um, And so having that there is is really helpful to them. And um, what's really interesting is at my previous company, we rolled out something similar to this. And um, we really anticipated customers only using it kind of as they needed it. Once customers started using it, they really kind of became addicted to those services and it never ended. And so it was actually a really great way to build ARR with an account and, and get some expansion opportunities with them. The customers found it to be incredibly useful. It was valuable for them. And it brought some additional revenue to our cost center. So again, I always talk about, um, if you've heard me talk at the conferences and things like that, I always talk about like the seat at the table. Because mm. CS sometimes gets left out of that seat um, because yeah. we don't bring in revenue all the time. But this would give us this extra piece, right? This extra value add that... Yeah. Um, just helps your leverage within the company too as a CSM leader. So um highly recommend at least you know thinking about it if you've if you've got those customers who maybe need a little extra help mm. putting something custom together is not a bad idea. It helps everyone. Oh, brilliant. So in in terms of identifying those customers, those high touch customers, um 
if so for example let's say we know uh, we've got like a customer success manager listening into this um and they were kind of had quite I don't want to say needy customers, but you know they had a t- they had a customer that probably wanted probably. Would you say it's right in thinking you identify the customers you could potentially monetize uh, from, based on their just demand and how much they need, the, how much assistance they require for you, and if you notice that they are perhaps emailing quite a lot and asking questions or wanting to jump, I don't know. How would you assess that? Yeah, great question. So. Um, I'll give you an example and I'll keep the customer anonymous, oh, uh, but, uh, you know, we had one particular customer who essentially came to us and was like, Hey, listen, we love the support that we're getting. We just need you to clone Joe and then <laughs> give us two of him yeah. and then everything will work great. Um, but usually, uh, you know, that's a joke, but the customer will come to us usually and say, Hey, listen, we need more. And so sometimes that comes in the form of like a professional services engagement or a managed services engagement. But when you get those requests over and over and over again, Mm. this is kind of another clue, right? Like if this one customer is coming to us over and over again, or um, if they're bogging down Mm. the CSM, if the CSM is struggling um, quite a bit because there's just not enough time in the day, these are all indicators. It's just like anything else, right? It's just bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bandwidth and 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 need and um and a lot of times just listening to your customer and he- hearing what they're saying. Sometimes they're not t- asking directly, but they're they're asking for it, right? Like asking for two CSMs. Like what they're really asking for is some sort of a hyper care situation. Yeah. So that's when we that's actually when we started thinking about this was when customers started coming to us and asking for more service and and we would sit back and say, you know, why aren't we offering them more? We should be, yeah. right? I imagine though that obviously that's the customer success manager themselves. They're not enabling. Obviously it's a great, a brilliant way for CS to like bring in extra revenue that isn't, you know, uh, sort of account growth, like upselling and stuff. But how do you, um, what kind of conversations do you have with your sort of sales team? Because there's obviously got to be a huge amount of a communication and extra communication and collaboration to sort of make sure this kind of whole process works and make sure you're sort of targeting the right customers and they know who to target. How how would that kind of sort of, you know, cross-functional collaboration work in this sort of instance? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, at Akinio, we we manage our expansion ourselves from the CS perspective, right, okay. but um, you know, sometimes for these larger customers, we do partner with sales. And I'm very lucky that Akinio, we have a great relationship with our sales team. Our, our sales team and CS were like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> and uh, we just go better together, right? And um, <clears throat> although you're in the UK, I don't think you eat peanut butter and jelly there, do you? Oh, no, we, oh some of us do. Some of us definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> But it's definitely okay. more of an American thing, but yeah, no, we do. We, we have heard of it. Don't worry, we're not under. <laughs> not living All right, making sure. <laughs> it's the black look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, having regular meetings. So one of the things that we do, um, we actually just had our QBR a, a, a week or two ago, and. Um, we get together and we talk about all of our deals and all of our customers and anybody who's looking to expand with us and things like that. And it's really collaborative and great. I mean, I really love being able to brainstorm with our sales team, um, but there's a great mutual respect that we have with one another. And I think um, I actually, I just published an article actually on, on your uh, website about collaboration, cross, cross-functional collaboration. And I think just understanding each other's goals, metrics, how you're measured. I think 
that is such a key piece. And we really understand what's what sales is driving towards and what their goals are, and they understand ours. And so we're really aligned. Um, and, you know, we don't do anything that kind of steps on each other's toes. And it's not like that everywhere. But, you know, if you're a CS leader and you don't have that relationship with sales, maybe, you know, take take time to spend uh, with your teams together, start collaborating together, start spending that like quality time and learning about one another. Um, because it's, it's a lot tougher when you don't have that strong camaraderie. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, imagine it's just a constant uphill struggle if you're not happy, if you don't have those close relationships and you don't have that kind of, I don't know, communication channels. And there is, you know, com- oh, yeah, it sounds like an absolute nightmare. And I think, yeah, it, you need, yeah, it sounds like to, 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 in order to attain that kind of level of cohesion and to be able to monetize. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. Sorry. I've just said it sounds like a lot, but yeah, basically sales and CS need to be talking to each other. <laughs> yes. So need to be aligned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Words failed me there. <laughs> Brilliant start. Um, and sort of, sort of moving towards the end of this conversation, um, very sad because it's been really, it's been an complete, absolute eye opener for me, but our listeners, and I think I'm very guilty of this as well. I like to know, without trying to say, uh, I like to how see how other people have suffered because that sounds absolutely psychotic. But learning about challenges <laughs> and other people having going through challenges can be incredibly helpful, and I think our listeners love to hear that. Don't know why I phrase it like that, but we're rolling with it. Um, but yeah, understanding challenges of segmentation can be, you know, so so helpful for somebody going through perhaps they're starting a new siesta siesta team of their own or they're moving into a new role or you know they're mentoring uh, new uh, teammates but understanding the challenges and helping to overcome the challenges is something i think i'd really like to address in this uh this episode because yeah it's always appreciated by the community and helping them maybe avoid similar pitfalls uh and, ins- and ensure like a hopefully smoother process obviously you know there're always going to be bumps along the road but um in light of this, as we draw this episode to a close, um, what would you say, Kimberly? What would you say are the biggest challenges you faced when segmenting customers? Um, especially, perhaps you know, the classic ones: balancing the needs of smaller versus larger accounts, or you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll give, I'll leave the floor to you. But what kind of the, what are the couple of big, bigger challenges that you faced, and any advice on, you know, how to how to overcome this? Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad you asked this question, actually, because um, I, w- I want to share my my mistakes so mm. that other people don't make them. You know, um, one of the that. biggest. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, um, one of the biggest foot in my mouth moments I think I've had so far this year was um, just the fact that in Salesforce we call the different segments high, medium, and low, mm. which the CSMs who manage the low tier feel um, not so great about the, you know, it's, it's obviously subjective, right? It's all just, and we weren't thinking when we created it, how mm-hmm. people would feel about the way it looks. And it's just in Salesforce, right? This is just yeah. what's working with our uh, playbooks and working with our automation and stuff like that. This is all just ops stuff. Yeah. And this is but, sorry, this, this is how the this was how that your CSMs were reacting to it, not the customer, the CSMs. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. CSMs. Yeah, because mm. you know you don't want to be a 
a low CSM, you want to be a high CSM. When in reality, both jobs are super challenging and rewarding and there's lots of good and bad with both, right? But um, it's just the connotation that those words have. And so you just have to be really careful, right? If I could go back Mm -hmm. in time before I already created the reports in the in the playbooks and everything because now it'd be really tough to change it but um if you haven't done this yet definitely pick something that you think would be um, maybe digital touch as opposed to low something like that um because it it did it created like a couple we had to have tough conversations with people and um and i think it hurt feelings where it didn't need to um and then the other piece is you know as I mentioned, when you're doing the segmentations, I think going slow is definitely key, making sure that you're keeping the customer in mind and also the CSM's bandwidth Mm. in mind. Um, I think that's a really important piece. Um, But the, the other mistake that we made that really hurt us um, was creating playbooks too early before we really uh, figured out what that customer journey was going to look like on the digital side. So when you think you have it finalized, my suggestion would be to run through the playbooks manually for a month or two, rather than creating it and then having to go back and redo all of that digital work. Right. Mm. Um, because that's where we are now. Now we're rebuilding playbooks that we've already built because we, we needed to go back and tweak things. And I think that's that's the key is just um, experiment. Don't be afraid to experiment, but also give yourself the leeway, the that room to grow and be flexible and make adjustments before you kind of set things in stone, right? Mm. No, that sounds perfect advice. Um, that's really helpful, actually. I think, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. I'm sure that's going to be monumentally useful for a lot of listeners because, like I said, I don't want to sound like a psychopath, but like it is helpful to hear about other people's pitfalls because, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's it's all about, you know, it's to do with personal growth and, you know, and also failures are incredibly important as well. Like, you know, you've got to fail to, to you know, without, without trying to sound like a, you know, like a Hallmark card, you've got to be able to fail. In order to grow, you've got to fail. Uh, I feel like there's probably a number of different <laughs> variants of that, but Love yeah. those cliches. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's not a failure if you learned from it. So. Exactly, exactly. We can probably create a lovely little, uh, little, little lovely little greeting card out of that. But, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we've completely run out of time. But thank you so much for joining me, Kimberly. This has been incredibly insightful for me as a as a you know a marketer as write, writing about customer success. But more importantly, the the point of the podcast <laughs> for our listeners, and I'm sure um, people have. Um, lots of questions um and maybe got going through the similar similar situation and looking to implement new processes um if people do have any questions for you um where's the best place for them to reach out if you wouldn't mind yeah i would i love talking shop so please do reach out um i am on linkedin it's kimberly ayala a y a l a um you'll find me and um and yeah, and I'll uh, be happy to talk more about it. I'm hoping we can even spark a conversation online when the the podcast comes out. I'd love to hear from um, everyone else. You know, what are some of the things that you've been trying, the pitfalls that you've had, that sort of thing? Because um, I'm still in this journey, so I can learn from others too. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the CS community on LinkedIn, in our Slack group, it's always just a buzz with people asking questions. And it's lovely to see people sort of taking on mentorship roles and helping each other out. So it's just, yeah, I think it's it's brilliant. And I'll leave your uh, your details in the show notes when this, when, when this goes live. But um, 
yeah, thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting talking to you and it's been an absolute pleasure to record this. So thank you. I can't wait to have you back on again. Thanks, Grace. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go to the customersuccesscollective.com for even more customer success related content. You can also join our global community on Slack and you can find the link to that on the CSC website. But until then, see you next time.